Did you hear that? What do you call a team that hasn't scored a goal in 15? You know, that, that's just kind of, that's tough. That's tough if you're a Cubs fan. That's really tough. At least they made, maybe this year, you know, it's going to be 100 years this next year. So maybe this will be the year. Still, this drama reminds us of walking across the room, doesn't it? And so the question is this morning, how's it going? Anybody here a little discouraged? I, I know I've been a little discouraged at times during this last month. I, I was thinking with great expectation for these six flights I would be taking down to Guatemala and up through New Orleans and back here. I'm thinking, wow, there's going to be a lot of great conversations and five out of the six people I sat next to were either plugged in or zoned out. There was just no opportunity. And then I remember there was one conversation. It was, was kind of okay. This last week, Peter had his first basketball game. And so out uh, I can't ever say the name of this town. Mazamani? Is that how you say it? See, I knew you knew it. All right. Mazamani? All right, I'm out there, I'm at the bleachers in the gym there, and I think there's a group of parents at the bleachers where I'm sitting that are from our school, and I'm trying to break in. I don't know anybody, and it didn't really happen. And then on Monday night, we were having friends over around Monday night football, and we were out of ice, and so I went over to our neighbors with a little bowl of ice, and they were great, and the kids noticed we were having a party and wanted to know if they could come that night. And I said, not this week, but coming up in a week or two, we're going to have your family over. And then I get home, and I'm walking around the kitchen. I had that funny feeling that we've all had where you go, I think there's something extra under my shoe. And I, I look, and oh, my word, I got some dog mess on my shoe. And then this horrid feeling comes over me. It's like, did I get that on my shoe when I wa- before I walked into their house? Or on our way back to our house, thinking, oh, that's a great way to walk across the room. <laughs> but I hope some of us have been encouraged. I, I've been encouraged. I, I, I've been encouraged by some of the stories I'm hearing about you following the Spirit's leading. Anybody here, would you say, I have followed the Spirit's leading? Maybe not every time, but in the last couple of weeks, I've sensed God telling me to do something. Take a step. Who, who's done that? Look at that, a whole bunch of us. And that's encouraging. And actually, there's a sensitivity in our life to that. It's been encouraging to have just people come in over a simple meal, and whether we watch the football game or not, just you start connecting or sit down with some friends last night around soup and, and have these great conversations about important things. That's encouraging. Encouraging to see how God meets us and brings people into our life that we, we might not even expect. So last Monday, beautiful day, my day off, and Steve and I from, uh, from church here, we decided to play nine holes at Door Creek. And just as we're about to tee off, his buddy, the guy who hired him, shows up. And Steve from Door Creek says, hey, we'll wait for you. Had a great opportunity. This guy walks right into that little twosome and that nine-hole round of golf. Find out as I go back and tell some of the staff here at work, one of the staff says, hey, that guy's my neighbor. I've known him for many years. So encouraging to see how God's at work in people's lives and to see what's going on. I don't know if you heard, but this past week, five people put their faith in Christ here at Door Creek. Five people. Is that huge? Yeah, that is. Praise God. 
on, on Wednesday, you heard Randy say there's over 30, 32 people are going to stand before the church family and say, I'm a follower of Christ. I want you to know that. It's changed my life. That's why I'm getting baptized tonight. These are huge things. And we want to, we desperately want to hear your story. So what, what's going on in your walks across the room? So please let us know on staff. It's so encouraging. We want to get these stories out to the broader family of God here in this place. Well, as we kind of wrap up the series, our concern is that this won't just have been a four-week deal where, yeah, we set aside four weeks and we kind of focused in on it and then we moved on to the next thing. But that this walk-across-the-room concept, these principles become the stuff of how we live life every day. That's, that's our desire. And that's our aim here as we wrap it up. So what I'd like to do is look back over these past three weeks and say, here's some of the key things. There's three of them I want to point out. And then there's two new ones that I want us to dig into a little deeper this morning as we put a wrap on it and say, we're going out from this place, not having completed this walk across the room assignment, but just beginning it with a commitment to be walk across the room kind of people. All right? So here's the first thing we want to remember. Walking across the room is all about sharing the single greatest gift. You remember what that single greatest gift is? It has nothing to do with this year's top Christmas items. I asked Jackie to go hunt them down. So here's what we got. These are the hot items, hot gifts for Christmas 07. Nintendo Wii, the Apple iPhone. Can you believe Tickle Me Elmo is still up there? Unbelievable. How about a GPS navigational system? An iPod video or get this one. Say this five times real fast. Stin Master Aqua Doodle Draw and Doodle Matt. <laughs> Sounds like a fun thing. It's, that's not the single greatest gift that we could give someone this year. The single greatest gift that we could give anyone at any time in their life for whatever it is they're going through is to introduce them to the God who made them, to the God who loves them, to the God who desires a personal relationship with them through Jesus Christ, his only son. That's the single greatest gift. And what's amazing is that that gift could be given just through a simple act of taking the initiative to walk across the room. And over time, see God develop that relationship and use that relationship to fundamentally change that person's life in a way that they would always thank you. Thank you, for introducing me to Jesus Christ. When Jesus talks about eternal life, he links it right to a relationship. In John 17, 3, this is what Jesus says, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. Or in Jeremiah, Jeremiah writes, this is what the Lord says, and he quotes God, let not the wise man boast of his wisdom or the strong man boast of his strength or the rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts, boast about this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. And so we got to remember that we're following the steps of Christ who took the ultimate walk across the cosmos, across the universe, to come here and live a perfect life, to be the perfect sacrifice for us, dying in our place. And let's remember, as we walk, that we have the opportunity to share the single 
greatest gift, to meet the greatest need, to, to give people life rich and full today, not just in the future. Let's remember to leave the security of our comfort zone and to step out in what Heibel's called that zone of the unknown with the love of Christ, pointing them to him, taking those baby steps for him. So walking across the room, it's all about sharing the single greatest gift that we could share, a relationship with God. A second key point that we want to remember as we go forward is walking across the room is all about keeping in step then with the Holy Spirit, being in tune with the Spirit. Remember Galatians 5.25 reminds us, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Or that beautiful prayer in Psalm 143, teach me to do your will for you're my God. May your good Spirit lead me on level ground. And so what's been happening in these last weeks is the Spirit's been prompting us. And maybe it's to pick up the phone. Maybe it's to, uh, to bake some cookies for the people that just moved in to the neighborhood or, or a meal for the mom who just had a baby. Perhaps you've invited someone over for coffee or to watch the Packer game. Maybe it's been that new student in your kid's class and you've invited them to your child's birthday party. We've been following the Spirit's prompting. And as we've done that, we're saying to God, God, I want to go wherever you want me to go and I want to say whatever you want me to say to do whatever you want me to say to whomever. So I'm yours. I do want to be your ambassador. I want to be your hands and your feet. Help me, take me, use me. That's the attitude of our heart. It's the prayer of our days as we wake up before the Lord. God, wherever, whenever, with whomever. Third thing, I want to remember that walking across the room is all about remembering the power of God's story. That was last week. The power of God's story in our own as well. Remember what Paul says in Romans 1 about God's story? The gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also to the Gentiles, for everybody. When we think about this powerful word, what we're talking about is this right here, is this is a living word. And this word is powerful. And this word has changed our lives, is changing our lives. And this word is the hope for a world that desperately is lost without Christ. Change us. And here's what Paul says in Romans 10. He says this in verse 17. Faith, yet faith comes from listening to this message of good news. This is the Bible, the message of good news. The good news about Christ. For you have been born, Peter writes, born again, the spiritual new birth, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. This word gives us spiritual new birth, new life. James says the very same thing in his first chapter, verse 18. He, God, chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. We studied it in Ephesians this last year. Verse 13 of chapter 1, you also were included in Christ when you what? What does it say? When you heard, right? Heard what? What does it say? The word of truth. This is the word of God, the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. 
And Hebrews says to us in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And we need to be a people who never lose confidence in the power of God's word. That as people hear the word of God, what God does time and time again, he's done it for thousands of years, is he takes his spirit who uses the word to plant it in our hearts where we go, I believe that's true. I believe that God does love me. I believe that I'm messed up and that I'm a sinner and that my sin deserves God's judgment and my only hope is that Jesus Christ died on the cross in my place. I believe that. That we never lose our confidence in the word of God and that we never forget the importance of not only sharing that word, but living it out so that we, like Paul, could say, we loved you so much, we were willing to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our own lives as well. Sharing it and living it out. So last week, we talked about some tools that we could use to help us clearly tell the story of God's love. Whether it's two ways to live or the story in a verse, Romans 6.23, or the do or done or the bridge illustration or the Romans road, whatever it is you'd use, that you would be ready to clearly share God's powerful life-changing story of his love for us in Christ. And that we wouldn't forget the power of our story, like the woman at the well. Remember how her life was changed inside out? How she goes back to town, and John 4.39 tells us this. Many of the Samaritans from that town, the town of Sychar, believed in him, believed in Jesus. Why do they believe? Because of the woman's story, because of the woman's testimony. And what was her testimony? Jesus told me everything I ever did, ever did. The power of your story. And that's an amazing thing, that God would use our story, his grace in and through us, whether it's a story of how he brought us to the point of faith or whether it's a story of how he met us in a time of great need or crisis, that he'd use that story to be a grace in somebody else's life to point him to Christ. And that's what he does. So those are things we don't want to forget. Single greatest gift, keeping in step with the Spirit. We don't want to forget the power of story. God's and ours. Now, as we drive home these last two, which I'm convinced as we hold on to them, will really move us away from, all right, we just went through a series to, no, this is now part of the fabric of my life and my thinking. Uh, I want to give you a little brain teaser to set up the fourth one. All right, so here's the first brain teaser. All right, some of you have seen these things before. Now, figure it out. What is this? You can talk it out loud because maybe you'll help each other. What, is it, what are you seeing? 32 degrees, 32, degree, 32 above degrees, 3 degrees, 3 degrees below freezing. All right. We're, I know it's a little hard to stretch your mind this much early on a Sunday morning. 33 degrees below freezing. Now, here's another one that's going to be very operative this coming week. What is it? I over eight. Okay? So we're just confessing that right now. And in the spirit of feasting, and the Bible talks about feasting, I say once a year, it's okay. All right? I over eight. Now, here's the next one that sets up our fourth point, and I guarantee you, I don't think anybody's going to get it. But if you do, I got free nachos and cheese after the service. Now, what is this? People. 
Fish? Anybody see any kind of fish there? Perch? I like that. Perch? Yeah, what is it? Salmon? Well, actually, it's perch. I think perch will work. I don't know if you can see the stripes. It's kind of hard from back there. So there's, it's, it's not paper dolls. of It's people up top, people over perch. What in the world? People over perch. Well, that's exactly what Jesus says in Luke chapter 5. So open your Bibles to Luke chapter 5, and we're going to see how people are more important than fish. People over perch. Luke 5, page 728. Now, as you're turning to Luke's gospel... Over here in the New Testament, page 728, if you're using the Bible in the rack in front of you, here's the context. Fishermen are cleaning their nets, Peter and his men. Uh, Jesus gets in their boat to teach. These guys had been up all night, and they'd been skunked. They hadn't caught anything. So verse 4, we pick up the story. When he had finished speaking, he is Jesus here. He said to Simon, Simon is the other word uh, name for Peter. He said to Simon... Put out on the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night, haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When he had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full, they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. They were convinced what they just saw for the first time in all their fishing lives was a miracle done by that man named Jesus. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So, pull their, so they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Walking across the room is all about making and keeping people a priority. It was so much so for Jesus, and it has everything to do with this little illustration miracle. When he lets them have the, the, the boats full, so full that they're going down under, and then he says, well, look, I got something way better for you. Something so much more satisfying. You can chase these dollars through catching these fish, or you can chase men's heart and change their destinies. What do you want to do? Come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And today, he's not asking us to quit our job. He's not asking us to quit school. He's not asking us to leave our family. What he's asking us to do is make a fundamental switch in what is important in our life. It's people first. It's people to live like Jesus lived and to live for him as we keep this in perspective. People, all people, matter most to God, mattered most to Christ. And these same people must matter most to Christ's followers. I mean, what do you have in your life that'll last forever? What do you have in your life that will last for eternity? If I gave you a a pack of red stickers and it had the word temporary on it, I said, I want you to put a sticker on everything in your life that won't last. I guarantee it's going to be stuff like this, your house and your car, the things you may have achieved uh, athletically, your body, your money, your toys, your work, and so much more. All of that will get a red sticker. Get a red sticker. 
And these are the kinds of things that become very clear in terms of what's important and what's not when tragedy hits. So look at this video of the Stoughton, um, the Stoughton tornado. Some of you lived through this. I remember sitting at my friend's um, house that had been decimated in Belvedere when I was just a kid. And the house was gone. All that was left was, was the foundation. And, and it's at a time like this, whether it's Stoughton or you look at these other tragedies, and Greg was talking about New Orleans or the tsunami or what's been going on in San Diego. You get to that point where the stuff of your life is gone but your relationships aren't, and all of a sudden you go, you know, it doesn't matter. Or you come through the tragedy having lost a loved one, and you realize it just the stuff that you lost doesn't even come close to the people that you've lost. And Jesus is saying, guys, we can't spend our, our lives here chasing down the things that won't last. That these are things that are temporary. And here's what I know as I've observed life is we know that they are temporary because of this very fact that we have these things and yet we never have enough of those things. We always want a little bit more of these things because they can't ultimately satisfy. And Jesus says the reason they can't satisfy is they don't last forever. You pursue the things that last forever and there's only one thing that we could put a sticker on. Maybe this one's a blue sticker on things that last forever. And you go through everything that you own and everything that you have, and there's only one place you can put that sticker, and it's right here. It's our heart. It's what the Bible calls our spirit or our soul. And Jesus says this at the end of his life. He says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, recognizing that his body is going to die. It's going to descend and begin to decay in that tomb. But there's going to be part of him that lives on forever. We're created in the image of God. The writer of Ecclesiastes says he's placed eternity within our hearts. There's a dimension in every one of us here this morning that will go on forever. It's our heart. It's our soul. It's our spirit. So Jesus says, Trade, trade fish for fishing for men. Don't, don't, don't get to the end of your life where you go, what did I do? I've never heard anybody at the end of their life say, man, I wish I'd worked more. I wish I'd gone for that other promotion. Man, I wish I had more money. All you'll hear if it's in the area of regret is, I wish I had spent more time with my kids. I wish I'd been a better husband, a better dad. It's all about relationships. Jesus says, it's got to be people. It's got to be people. And so we ask ourselves, is that, is that me? Do my priorities reflect this? Making people, keeping people a priority. And that means we need to have the eyes of Christ. who was so full of compassion for people when he saw them. We need to get, get out of looking at ourselves, looking at other people and their needs and being willing to put them before our own interests. And finally, walking across the room is all about depending upon God in prayer. Great passage in Colossians. Look up on the screen, Colossians 4, 2 through 6. Paul writes here, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. That word devoted means keep close company. Stay close to prayer. Talk to God all the time. And then he goes on, he says this, and pray for us too. 
Pray that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in in chains, in prison. What is that mystery? That Jesus Christ didn't just die for the Jews. He died for everyone. He is the Savior of the whole world. Pray that God open doors. Verse 4, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Then verse 5, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, those who don't yet know Christ. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And as we enjoin and join God in this whole matter of walking across the room, let's never think we could do it in our own strength. Let's never be confused in thinking, I know how to change somebody's heart. We don't. That's the stuff we can't do. We know the person who can do it. And so we're always pointing to him and we're always dependent upon him in prayer. And here's how we pray. We pray for open doors. God, open a door. What is an open door? And an open door is help their heart to be receptive to your love as I seek to express that in tangible ways or maybe through words. Open doors. Lord, man, I just feel like this whole thing of my work life is just, it's just closed tight. Would you open a door at work for me to walk across the room? Man, my neighbors, Lord, I couldn't even know, I, I wasn't even able to list out who my neighbors are. And, and that, that whole thing seems ironclad, locked down. Open a door. And then as the door opens, he says, pray for clarity, that I could speak clearly about your love, that I could clearly share your story. Praise for wisdom, that we'd have wisdom to know how to live our lives out, that we'd have wisdom to know what to say, when to say, how much to say, that we'd have wisdom to say, hey, you know what? I may just be planting seeds here. I may just be another link in the chain, that we'd have wisdom to know how we live our lives out before others, and that we'd pray for graciousness and saltiness that our words would be full of grace, full of Christ-likeness, seasoned with salt, this this thirst-quenching saltiness in our life that makes them thirsty for more, for Jesus, even if they don't know what they're thirsting for, depending upon God in prayer. And so as I've been thinking about wrapping this series up and moving forward, here are my concerns. Some of these we've already mentioned. The first is that we'd move on from the series and not have change how we live. And there's nothing the enemy would want more than for you to go, ah, that was great, what's next? Great, missing Christmas. People who missed the first Christmas, I'm ready for that series. And about four or four months from now to go, man, I, I haven't felt the Spirit's prompting. I haven't prayed for anybody. I haven't taken one baby step in any direction positively to point someone to faith in Christ. It's just completely off our radar. Concern is that we'd be a church that bonds better than we bridge. By that, I mean bonding is coming together, and it's beautiful to see how that's going on in the life of this church family. We're coming together in, in ministry and serving together. We're coming together in our home groups. We're coming together on Saturday nights. If, if you, you didn't know, we're going to kick those back up again in January. January 12th, and we're getting to know each other as we go down to Guatemala. You heard what Greg said, 15 of us went down as strangers, we came back as friends. But the church is always going to be better at bonding than it is bridging. And we need to be good at both. We need to be good at building bridges to those who don't yet know him, building bridges of compassion to the poor and the disadvantaged in our city. I'm concerned that we may love our comfort zone more than the zone of unknown and not want to leave it. 
concerned that we'd lose our confidence in God and his word to change lives, that we may forget Jesus' priority of people, and that we try walking in our own strength and forget about our dependency upon God in prayer. So all I can say is, can you imagine what your life would be like today without Christ? Do you have any clue where you'd be? I know one thing is we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be here. And can you imagine if we joined God this year and for the rest of our lives in being people who are walk-across-the-room kind of people, how our lives are going to change and how the lives of others are going to change? I mean, is anybody here bored right now? You go, man, I, I, I think I'm a follower of Christ, but I'm bored. I guarantee you become a walk-across-the-room kind of person, you will never be bored again. Your heart will be pumping and your blood will be coursing through your body as you day in and day have these new adventures of faith. Like, God help me. Any of you really hungry to grow more in your walk with Christ? I guarantee nothing will have you growing more than you engage someone who doesn't know Christ and maybe in God's providence see them come to faith in Christ and now you're helping them grow. You'll never grow as much as when you're sharing your faith regularly. You want to know God more deeply? You want to live a life of no regrets? Then become a person who regularly is walking across the room. So as we keep going here, let's remember this. Keep small, small steps. Start where you are. Follow Spirit's lead. Pray like crazy. Be creative. Take advantage of the relationships we have. We will do this better together than by ourselves. As we come to the Christmas season, I really say, come out to this training this afternoon. Learn how to use Christmas as a way to take a Christmas coffee and start walking across the room with neighbors or friends or family. Use a Christmas cocoa to reach some of the friends, the kids in your neighborhood or your kids' friends. Think about the services that will be coming up, whether it's Thanksgiving Eve or the Christmas Eve. You think about the international partnerships that we're forming here and how there's people right here from around the world that want to have a friend from America to introduce them to American culture. You could be that person. We're, we're just, we got 15 doing it now. We want to have 100 doing it by next September. Be part of that. Wayne's going to start up Upwards Basketball. The whole deal of Upwards Basketball is introduce people to Jesus Christ through the game of basketball, and it's little kids. And there's all kinds of kids, hundreds of them, signing up for basketball, and they need coaches. And the coaches have an opportunity to sit down and share a little word of devotion, each practice pointing them to Jesus Christ. Take advantage of these things. As we sung earlier this morning, let it be said of us that we live to be a blessing for life that we choose this day to say, it's not going to be a series. It's not going to be a month deal in my life. It is now going to be the pattern of how I live life with Christ and for him, becoming a walk-across-the-room kind of person for the rest of my life. Let's pray. And so, dear Jesus, we thank you again that you walked, you walked into this world for us and you laid down your life for us. And you've modeled what it means to have a heart for people. And Lord, we want to join you in your mission of calling people to yourself, to your Father. And we would pray for those, Lord, who haven't yet, they haven't crossed the line of faith. They're still wondering if this is all true. We continue to pray that you'd use your powerful word to grant faith, that you give them new life. And those of us who've had new life for many years, restore the joy of what you've done continue to work in us and have mercy with us. And we pray, Father, that we would shine for you in such a way 
that our life would point people to your son and that we do it powerfully together as a church until you come. Amen.